0: Topo Athletic shoes are designed to help you move naturally with a roomy toe box, secure midfoot, and low heel-to-toe drop to encourage a midfoot strike. Get 20% off your purchase up to three pairs at topoathletic.com with code TOPOAMR20. Hurry, code expires February 28th. Fuzzy is a telehealth service that offers 24-7 personalized care from veterinary professionals. Get a free 7-day trial plus $20 off any of your pet's product needs, pet meds, supplements, food, and more. Go to yourfuzzy.com slash AMR and use promo code AMR to get started. Care-of is a subscription service that ships high-quality, personalized vitamins and powders conveniently to your door every month. For 50% off your first Care-of order, visit takecareof.com and enter promo code AMR50. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined by Tish Hamilton. Hello, Tish. Hi, Sarah. How are you doing today? Good, good. I'm so glad you're able to join me. We are recording at um, not our usual time. We're recording on Friday afternoon, pretty late on the East Coast for you. And I thought maybe you'd be going to Savannah to visit the man. Um, and
1: why would and and well, you you were kind of on the right track. He's actually up here.
0: Oh, okay. I sensed that there was going to be because of it being Valentine's Day on on Monday. And maybe. and
1: isn't that funny that you? I think we must have recorded before on this time because you always think that he's here for valentine's day
0: <laughs> silly sarah why silly do you Sarah have?
1: assumes that i'm sentimental and romantic <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Wrong>. <laughs> oh my gosh i had a business meeting this morning which sounds awfully fancy with our retreat coordinator and we met at this place that actually had a really um cute well curated selection of kind of Gifts and homeware and stuff. It was, you know, it was a um, restauranty type place, but it had kind of, I, I don't want to say gift shop, but sort of that. And um so it was all Valentine's theme. And I was like, huh, hey, gee, I guess I got to get something maybe for my kids. I don't know. <laughs> so,
1: so Sarah, the real reason he's in town is for another American holiday that's coming up very soon. In fact, President. this weekend, can you guess what it is?
0: Lincoln's birthday. <laughs> you are a nerd. <laughs> I do believe um Abraham Lincoln's actual birthday is tomorrow, <laughs> February twelfth. <laughs> of course you know that <laughs> my parents are in heaven right now and they're so
1: proud of me they're, they're, they're applauding yes. right I hear that but try again what um, else is going on this weekend that Americans are very interested oh, in oh,
0: the Super Bowl
1: there you go it's a sport <laughs> called football oh,
0: yes. oh my gosh can I tell you that it is such a Bowen moment that I think Abe Lincoln's birthday and not the Super Bowl <laughs> that's so
1: funny (laughs) My,
0: my dad worked at um uh ibm corporate headquarters and so and my dad knew nothing about pro sports and so on the monday after super bowl we'd always had uh the family breakfast table would be like okay dad yesterday was the super bowl that is football and here are the teams that played and here's who won as if like you know as if ibmers cared about that back in the day i mean i'm talking like white shirt you know total suit he wore a hat to work um yeah and not a baseball hat i should clarify <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah yeah
1: I, have, I had a similar background actually my my dad was um lockheed oh, and yeah. also nothing nothing at all about sports
0: yeah yeah, that's yeah. funny. Yeah. And so, so, and I know he just kind of placated us by, you know, nodding his head as if he was remembering. And it, we could have just been sitting there saying garbledygook and he would have been like, very interesting. Occasionally we would have um, my cousins, I had some older cousins, they'd come over on Thanksgiving and because uh, my, uh, my dad was an only child and my mom's family didn't, most of them didn't live near us. And uh, so the cousins would come over, you know, they're in their 20s or whatever, and they'd want to watch football on Thanksgiving. And oh, my gosh, my dad, again, only child, you know, so used to getting his way. And you could tell being like, well, isn't there like a history documentary on or something (laughs) like that? The TV would not stay on for long, Um, you know, and and we would definitely would not watch the Macy's Day Parade because he did not, you know, like it had to be. aimed at adults like he was not we he never took us to Disney movies nothing like yeah 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 yeah. my dad took me to see the Hindenburg disaster the movie um
1: (laughs) so my my dad also a only child took me I was 17 or 18 but he took me to see my first Fellini film (laughs) oh my goodness oh my goodness (laughs) um When I was, it was wildly in a, I can't remember what it was, but it was like, oh my God. And it was so embarrassing to be sitting in the movie theater with oh, my Oh
0: my gosh, exactly. <laughs> That's when you go out and get another bowl, you know, box of popcorn. And, and oh my gosh, it's time I stay to do it. There for yeah. a long time. is the sex scene over yet? No, nope, nope. More butter, please. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny that both our dads were only children. um yeah, gosh, my dad was like very much in a stereotypical only child. Um, and my and my mother's one of six, and she loved catering to him. So it was a very happy marriage. <laughs> um, oh, my goodness! So wait, so your boyfriend's really into the Super Bowl. And so
1: actually it 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 sort of turned into a thing a, a few years ago he's from philadelphia so he's mm-hmm. into the team that's from philadelphia which i believe is called the eagles uh-huh. and
0: <laughs> i was going to say the flyers <laughs> that's hockey
1: <laughs> right they were, they were in the super Bowl a few years ago and and uh-huh. uh and we you know with my daughter nina we we ordered Chinese food because that's what you do at the Super Bowl, not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so now we, we just it's just turned into a thing that we do
0: every year. We order Chinese food and watch the Super Bowl I and, think you, and because that's what normal Americans do. You can make nachos with wonton chips, right? Couldn't you do that? That'd be kind of good. It's terrible. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean my husband Jack, he loves the he loves pro football and so he'll probably have a couple friends over but I mean I, I don't even watch the commercials like that's how right. And, yeah. Yeah, I do remember though that um I filed um AMR's incorporation papers as an LLC during the 2011 Super Bowl. So that's wow. how, how I remember the date. <laughs> yes. yes. And so, and it was that I've filed it with um, the state of Oregon, which is, you know, where we're based. And so I'm always like, oh yeah, that comes due in early February.
1: Well, <laughs> of course, the other problem with this is that um, we're, we're very much an Olympics household. I mean, I'll just, mm-hmm. we'll just turn the TV on the Olympics mm-hmm. and just leave it on all the time. Right. Uh-huh. You yeah. know? Uh-huh. And so my daughter, Nina, I was like, hmm. it's supposed to be olympics not super bowl
0: (laughs) sports good pro football no (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness yeah because that one um main announcer he went back he left china and went back to new york or wherever to florida yes to do the Ah. uh no los angeles which it's one or the other um where the game is (laughs) uh people are shouting there. i know i know sorry sorry
1: all our listeners yeah, well, yeah. we're really good at running <laughs> we are we are we can talk running all day but this is uh, football stuff yes. <laughs> way out of our depth we have our league
0: boom job. <laughs> Oh my goodness! I can I can hear this—the wheels skidding on the road now. Um, so I am going to introduce our guests before we thoroughly mortify and embarrass ourselves. Um, Allison Desir is a multifaceted mother runner. She's the founder of Harlem Run, a New York City-based running movement, and co-chair of the Running Industry Diversity Coalition, of which AMR is a proud member. Allison is a certified running coach and a writer, currently finishing her first book, Running While Black which is being released in October of 2022, this fall. They're just; Those are just a few of the many things Allison does to make a positive change in the lives and communities of many people. Tish and I look forward to jumping into a conversation with Allison. Stay with us. I typically run on roads, but when I hit the trail, I am especially picky about my footwear. I'm so glad I found Topo Athletic's Mountain Racer 2. It's my dream trail running shoe. Maybe Topo Athletic is unfamiliar to you. The Boston-based brand was started close to a decade ago by a longtime footwear industry leader. Topo was founded on a core mission, help people move better for the rest of their lives. That's why Topo creates products that embrace the body's natural biomechanics and avoid gimmicky design features. They simply want people to feel empowered to move freely and without injury so that traveling the path of wellness can be an ongoing lifestyle. Back to the mountain racer 2. Like all Topo shoes, it has a roomy toe box, yet a perfectly snug midfoot. An external heel counter keeps my foot locked over the sole for a stable foundation, while the durable Vibra Mega Grip outsole, which is lugged but not overly so, gives excellent grip on any surface, wet or dry. I run in them on muddy Pacific Northwest trails and hiked in them through Costa Rican jungles. We have a special code just for the AMR community, so you can try Topo Shoes, the Mountain Racer 2 or any of their other great road, trail, and recovery shoes get 20% off your purchase up to 3 pairs at topoathletic.com with code TOPOAMR20. That's T O P O A T H L E T I C.com code TOPOAMR20. This 20% off deal expires on February 28, 2022, so use it now. topoathletic.com and that code TOPOAMR20. If you have a pet, they're a part of your family. Fuzzy knows there's nothing that compares to coming home to a wagging tail or waking up to soft purrs, and that we want to keep our pets healthy and make them as happy as they make us. Fuzzy is a telehealth service for pet parents that offers 24-7 access to personalized pet care from veterinary professionals. From getting your pet's diet just right, to meeting their middle-of-the-night needs, to finally figuring out what makes their breath smell that way, nothing is too big or small for a quick fuzzy call. Through live chat and virtual vet consultations available to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Fuzzy can answer your pet questions, big and small, urgent and every day. Fuzzy can also recommend the exact right products for your pet, all of which are handpicked by their established team of veterinary professionals and available at discounts exclusive to Fuzzy members. Our family includes our French Bulldog plus two cat brothers, Leo and Pablo. My husband and I were confounded as to why the cats, Leo in particular, are obsessed with chewing on plastic bags. It was really worrying, so we called Fuzzy, and our minds were put at ease. Right now, Fuzzy is offering our listeners a free 7-day trial membership. Go to yourfuzzy.com to sign up today. That's a free 7-day trial at yourfuzz amr and for a limited time, Fuzzy is also offering a special discount of $20 off any of your pet's product needs, pet meds, supplements, food, and more with promo code AMR. Again, that's yourfuzzy.com slash AMR.
2: I don't know about you guys, but keeping up with which vitamins I should be taking is overwhelming and time consuming. I really just want someone to tell me why I need to take certain vitamins and when I should take them, which is where Care Of comes in. It's an amazing subscription service that ships high quality personalized vitamins and powders conveniently to your door every single month. How does it work? It couldn't be easier for a mother runner. You take a five minute online quiz. That's like getting a one-on-one consultation with a nutritionist, all without leaving your house. Answer questions about your diet, lifestyle, and health concerns to help address your specific wellness goals. I consider myself to be a pretty healthy eater, but based on the quiz, I realized that I need to step up my game in certain areas. I would have never known that had I not read through the very personalized recommendations Care of provided to me. Care of allows your vitamin routine to be personal, easy, effective, and constantly evolving. You have the choice to follow Care of's expert recommendations or adjust your pack at any time. For 50% off when you place your first Care of order, visit takecareof.com and use promo code AMR50. That's 50% off your first Care of order when you go to takecareof.com and enter AMR50
3: at checkup.
0: Allison, thank you so much for
3: talking with us. Thank you so much for having me.
0: We are so
1: excited to talk to you today, Allison. And to get started, um, could you tell us a little bit about your running
3: journey? Sure. I also want to warn viewers, my son is around and he will be part of this conversation, whether we like it or not. So (laughs) just some warning (laughs) on the sounds from a two-year-old you will hear. Yes. Um, Well, growing up, I was super active. I was a short distance runner. I ran the 400, 400 meter hurdles. I played soccer. Um, I was in gymnastics. Uh, I, I just did any and every activity I could so much so that my father gave me the nickname powdered feet which describes somebody so active, you never see them, just the footprints of where they've been in powder. Mm. So running was just one piece of everything that I did. But I came to distance running in 2012 um, when I was going through a period of, of deep depression. And I just, you know, just so happened to see somebody training for a marathon on Facebook. Mm. And it was a black guy and, and somebody who I didn't think of as a runner because he didn't have a quote unquote runner's body. And because he was like six feet tall and black, um, and I didn't think uh, black people ran marathons, so mm. I sort of I saw his story, I got invested in it, and when he completed his marathon, I figured you know I have nothing to lose, I might as well try this, and that has really been um, intertwined with running and community ever since. Mm.
1: So Allison, that's so interesting that that you went from you know sh- really short distances to trying a marathon, um, that's a really big leap uh, in distance. And also that, um, I don't know, did you intuit that it might help with depression. And can you tell us how it does help with depression?
3: Yeah, I mean, at the time, I had no knowledge of the mental and physical connection. I just was looking for something, for anything. And it did seem like my friend who was sharing his story, it seemed like his life was changing and he was describing ways that he felt like he was capable, that running was showing him he was capable of much more than he ever thought. So soon after I started running, I too started realizing that, um, you know, things physically that I didn't think I could do, you know, running three miles, four miles, five miles, all of a sudden I was capable of that, but also just that felt like my brain sort of stretched in a way and it realized like, oh, the same way that you can do more difficult physical things, uh, you can also push yourself in other ways in life, right? Mm. So if you think about me being depressed, on the couch, unemployed, spending a lot of my time caring for my father who was sick, um, I realized that there were, you know, I could change my circumstances. Mm. And that's really, I think, the, the greatest gift that running unlocked for me. And it continues to lock, especially now postpartum when I have a million different obligations. Mm -hmm. Um, but just the idea that you can move through discomfort, right? You don't have to get stuck there Mm -hmm. and that change is possible. Mm -hmm.
0: I like that about you can move through discomfort. That is, I mean, I think you learn that on every single run you take, no matter how short or long it is. Um, so I'm not sure that you're ever not busy, but it seems like you've been extra busy lately, including kickstarting the Seattle running collective. Can you tell us about that please?
3: Yes. Sure. So no, that is correct. As my nickname, Hattered Feet, says, I'm always doing a million mm-hmm. things at the same time. I'm mm-hmm. working on my book, I'm taking care of my son. Um, but the Seattle Running Collective really came together um, as a result of now living in the Seattle area for about a year and recognizing that, um, I guess people from Seattle call it, uh, what is it? They call it the freeze, I think. But there's mm-hmm. Seattle and Washington is known for. Um, being very passive-aggressive, not being warm. Mm -hmm. And as somebody who was born born in New York and from the East Coast and just generally really outgoing, like you feel that Seattle freeze immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, So what that means in the running community is that people tend to stay in their own neighborhoods. Um, People are not necessarily trying to hang out with folks, you know, other than the ones they know and not with any necessarily bad intent. That's Mm -hmm. just sort of, Culture out there, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but but so being there and meeting people from various groups and trying to find my space, um, there was just I recognized this energy and interest in in people wanting to move beyond their neighborhoods. Mm. So I became really close with two of the founders of this running crew called CSRD, and um, we then held a meeting inviting lots of different clubs, crews, groups in Seattle. And once we all started talking, we realized that we, we really did want to know each other and we really did want to support each other and that centering the experiences of Black, Indigenous, people of color was important to all of us and um, giving back to the community and creating uh, an inclusive env- environment where people felt welcome. So Seattle Running Collective is just brand new, mm-hmm. but we've already had some um, a few hugely successful events. And I think just the potential to build something that to me is reminiscent of the power of New York Roadrunners as an organization by and for runners, right? Mm -hmm. Which is New York Roadrunners is not without its flaws. Mm -hmm. Um, But the idea that a group of runners could come together and really make meaningful change in the city of Seattle is exciting for me.
0: Nice. Nice. So you you mentioned you've been in Seattle for about a year now. Um, Do you miss New York city? And if so, what do you miss about it?
3: Yeah, I miss, I mean, I miss, first and foremost, the racial diversity of the city, right? Mm-hmm. Like Seattle is, and Seattle and the uh, surrounding area is um, majority white, like mm-hmm. 85, 90%. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's uncomfortable and it's not, I'm not, my, not my people. So I miss the people, I miss, um, the, you know, the opposite of, I guess, the Seattle freeze is like the, the New York energy, right? Like mm-hmm. people are always... There's like some. I see it as a warmth. <laughs> Many <laughs> other people see it differently, but I think there's a warmth and an energy and just an excitement um, in in New York that I miss. Um, but I don't miss how expensive my tiny apartment was, um, <laughs> or some of the noise and other um, other bad things. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I will find myself traveling several times this year to New York, which is exciting.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Allison, um, uh. Can, do you mind ask me asking, like, what brought you to Seattle?
3: Yeah, so my husband and I, we had decided, um, you know, we, my son was born in July of 2019, and between um, the pandemic and um, all of the, um, the racist violence against unarmed Black people, I just didn't want to be in New York anymore, so we mm-hmm. both started considering other places to be, and my husband actually got a job first, um, in Seattle, we got a job in Seattle and then also in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And so we were deciding between the two, and Wazelle, which was had had up until that point been my sponsor, then offered me a position as director of sports advocacy. So both of us had jobs in Seattle, which um, would allow us to purchase a house. And so mm-hmm. that's why we moved. But yeah, just um, exactly. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we also in New York, we lived in the Bronx and we lived near Randall's Island, and we would often leave our house to, to walk on Reynolds Island during the pandemic. And, you know, we would see like hundreds of refrigerated trucks with bodies, you mm. know, folks who had died yeah. from, you know, and we were just like, this is not, wow. we, we want to be somewhere not here. <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> right. So, yeah. um, it was just, yeah, the, the early days, I mean, the pandemic remains really frightening and terrible, but um, the early days in New York were just uh, devastating and it wasn't, um, mm-hmm. we wanted to, avoid seeing that much death.
1: Right, right, right. That makes total sense. Yeah. Okay, so you were talking a little bit earlier about how running had helped you through a depression, and um, you were a founder of Harlem Run in New York City. You were working with the Seattle Running Collection, and it seems like these group uh, efforts are part of helping others Uh, to get and stay active. And and also, I know you've got a master's in counseling psychology, perhaps. So you're familiar with this topic from the inside and the outside. So can you tell us a little bit about um, your desire to help others get and stay active?
3: Yeah, you know, so after having this transformational experience with running and finding all of the mental health benefits, I decided I wanted to go to school and like really immerse myself in that because I was, I felt like this was information that should be more, more publicly available, right? Like people should know that running and movement, um, along with, you know, uh, medication and healthy diet and nutrition and all that, but all of these things holistically can have a really positive effect on folks. So I felt like, okay, I have to go to school, like learn everything there is to know about it. And, um, and make this my field of study. So um, I went back to Columbia Teachers College and got my second master's in mental health counseling. And what yeah. I found during that master's program is that really what I was doing with Harlem Run and just creating spaces that centered people of color um, and offered them opportunities to move and be vulnerable, that really this work was social justice work. And it was, um, Really, like a community intervention, right? An intervention we use in in therapy as a way, just like a an action that you take. Um, so it was, it's an intervention to to really provide people to provide an opportunity for uh, improved mental health. And so, you know, we all know that going on a run with friends, the kind of conversation that we have, the again the vulnerability, um, the the ways that we feel freer, all of that is really um, helpful in contributing to positive mental health. So in school, I was like learning the reasons behind all of the things that I was experiencing. And I decided I don't wanna do, I don't wanna be a therapist. I don't wanna do one-on-one counseling. I wanna create communities and interventions that allow people to experience these positive benefits um, and and not have to do it like one-on-one in therapy in a traditional sense.
0: I'm intrigued by you talking about the the vulnerability that people feel when they run. Could you talk more about that? I mean, is it is it, um, you know, just admitting, oh, this is hard for me or um, like just seeming letting people see you when you're um, maybe not seeming as physically strong as you might be? Like, I'm just intrigued by that. Could you talk a little bit more about it?
3: Yeah, I mean, in my experience, what I've seen is that, um, well, when you do something like running in a group, running, which is objectively hard. Right? So you're all <laughs> doing something difficult. you you are sharing the same goal. Um, and so on top of the you know whatever chemicals are being released and the the positive benefits that you're feeling, you're also you're going through this with another person. and I, mm-hmm. I think that shared struggle, that shared experience in and of itself creates a connection and a bond. Um, that leads to, you know, anecdotally we hear that running buddies talk about things that they don't talk to their own partners at home about, right? Mm -hmm. Like you just find yourself um, in a space where that experience is so um, powerful and, and then there's nothing like finishing whatever, particularly a long run, finishing that long run with that person and celebrating that achievement. That sort of shared struggle, shared joy, shared bond, um really just unlock so so many opportunities to show a side of yourself that you may not otherwise if you're in a boardroom, right where Mm -hmm. you have to keep a certain facade or a certain mask up so there's just something really powerful and this is not just limited to running right you can also um people experience this in in team sports Mm -hmm. um and um you know yoga any kind of movement practice but that's the powerful the Mm -hmm. powerful piece that happens when you're running in community
0: Mhm. Mm-hmm. I think it's something we've unfortunately f- perhaps forgot about or it's been diminished in our minds because of the pandemic that, you know, running solo. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Something yet that's the list of things we've lost. Um so exactly. so you, you mentioned your position with Wazelle. Um tell us what it is um that you do as director of sports advocacy, please.
3: Yeah, so the role is really about um welcoming more people as athletes, as runners, um, giving, shedding light or shining light on on communities that historically have um, not been centered in narratives around running and movement. So um, part of that is my leading the Women Run the Vote event. This Mm -hmm. will be our third year. In the past two years, we've raised uh, over half a million dollars for organizations like Black Voters Matter. Runners for Public Lands. And the idea is using movement as a vehicle for social change. So we organize Mm -hmm. long distance uh, virtual relays. This year will actually be virtual and in person, we hope, Mm -hmm. um, that fundraise for a cause. So that's one piece of it. The other piece of it is uh, working with creators and and runners to do storytelling, Mm -hmm. um, either through our blog or through content on social media. Um, A piece of it is also just engaging with the local Seattle running community, which part of that is is tied to what I'm doing with the Seattle Running Collective. Um, But, you know, Wazel recognizes as a by and for women's brand that historically they've really centered white women. And so what are the ways that we can expand who we see as um, as part of our community, part of our customers, how do we celebrate those achievements? Um, And the last piece is working with the Hope Valet, which is the uh, sort of, not sort of, the professional Mm -hmm. um, elite team of Wazelle athletes. And again, making sure that those athletes are racially diverse um, and increasing their opportunities to be seen. So two athletes I'm really excited about are Jenna Fessemeyer, who is a Paralympian. Mm -hmm. Um, She's so young, she's like 23, 24 um, and just, crushing it mm-hmm. on the Paralympic scene and um, in marathon majors, and uh, Rebecca Mara, who um, is also an incredible athlete and um, really also interested in, in issues related to public health. So mm. working with those two athletes and um, helping them build their platforms and um, opportunities to, to build community. Nice, nice, good and work.
1: Allison, this sounds like it really aligns with the running industry diversity coalition. And I, I, yeah. can you tell us a little bit about the origin story of that and the mission of the organization?
3: Sure. So the RIDC started um, really in response to the murder of Ahmad Arbery. Um, three white uh, folks in the industry, two were retail, uh, running retail owners and um, a white woman who, at the time, worked at Fleet Feet, came together and recognized that, you know, up until that point, the industry had not, um, in any meaningful way, addressed issues of racism, white supremacy, and they wanted to do something about it. Right? They felt that the murder of Ahmaud Arbery really registered with them, and and they wanted to be involved in some way. So they connected with Teresa Baker, who is the CEO of the Outdoor. What is it? The, she's the founder of the Outdoor CEO Pledge, which is a pledge that out, uh, CEOs of outdoor companies make um, regarding diversity, equity, inclusion standards. So she's sort of like the person in this phase. <laughs> so they reached out to her and she said, oh, you have to know, you have to meet Allison. You have to meet Verna. I then said, you have to meet Martha Garcia. And so. We came together through several very difficult conversations at first, where we were not even speaking the same language. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of um, fragility and
0: mm-hmm.
3: um, will unwillingness to understand a perspective that was different than their own. Um, but we were able to get to a place where, you know, we, we've now this coalition has now been around um, a year and a half, and we've seen a like incredible support. Um, we have several sponsors that are funding the organization and we hope to hire our first executive director within the next month, actually.
0: Oh, that's exciting. That's great.
3: Yeah. Very exciting.
0: Yeah. Great. So, so what are some steps you'd like the runners listening to this episode to do to help make running more equitable and and accessible for everyone, especially BIPOC runners?
3: I mean, I think the first thing to do is think about the community where you run and who shows up in those spaces. Mm-hmm. I think for for white people, white people are taught uh, not to see their race or to feel as if their race carries no significance. Mm-hmm. So many white people might not even notice, might not even be aware that their entire running group is white. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas wherever I show up, I'm always um, very much aware of how many black people, how many people of color there are, because counting and recognizing other people of color is a way of um, really providing a sense of safety for me in an mm-hmm. otherwise white space. So okay. I would say first, consider who, who is in your community. Consider, um, you know, if, you're, if you have a running club, consider what are the photos that you're posting on social media? What are the images and what are the stories that you're telling? where are you meeting right if Mm -hmm. are you meeting on a side of because we you know despite integration all of us still live very segregated lives like i would Mm -hmm. venture to guess that sarah and you both live in mostly white communities right Mm -hmm. i live in a mostly white community because it's a it's a community that's more well resourced which is you know um part of a historical process of um putting white people in an, an advantageous and well-resourced neighborhoods. But so thinking about where does your running club meet? Um, what, what time of day, right? For whom is it accessible to run at seven in the morning? Mm-hmm. Um, things like that, right? So if you start to consider, um, think about all of, all of the, the ways that what you're doing might be limiting for other folks, That's that awareness is the first piece. And then the second piece is, well, what am I willing to do about that, right? Mm-hmm. And it's uncomfortable, and it requires um, it requires uh, taking action, which many people are not always ready for. And I can give an example about that. Um, with Harlem Run, we recognized that you know we had somebody have somebody who's deaf, hard of hearing, who comes to our group, and um, we were like, okay. Well, at first, we didn't rec- we didn't know that, and then he 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 made us aware, and none of us speak sign language. But we what we could do was make sure that that person was like front and center and could have visibility when we spoke and that we never uh, turned our back to them. And we learned mm-hmm. a few um, signs so that we can communicate. Right. And that is doing the bare minimum. Like that's mm-hmm. really not enough. But this person thankfully feels supported to keep showing up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's one thing to have an awareness to where you're falling short. It's another thing to make a commitment to act, recognizing mm-hmm. that res- resources are limited. Um, But that's what I would really ask listeners to do, just start thinking about who's in your space and who isn't and why Mm -hmm. that may be.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I suspect, Allison, that you're in the process of finishing your upcoming book, Running While Black, Finding Freedom in a Sport That Wasn't Built for Us. Um, It sounds like the perfect book for our times and that you're the ideal person to be writing it. Um, Can you tell us a bit about it? Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, so I'm um, working on final revisions and um, hope it, hopefully I'll be done with that in the next two weeks. But mm. um, yeah, the book is, the book feels like really it's something I've been writing my whole life. It, it, mm. it traces my experience um, being a first-generation American, um, being Black, and growing up in spaces that were not built for me, that centered whiteness, that made me feel like an outsider or feel othered. And then coming to running and running um, being something that completely transformed my life for the better, but recognizing there too, I was othered and um, not centered and not seen. Um, so it traces that it's it's far more of a memoir that I had intended it to be, but um, which is great. <laughs> I just didn't, I thought of it as like more of an academic book because I'm such an academic, but, Mm -hmm. um, and then it also traces, as I mentioned, some of these historical reasons. Like, I think that for many people, the fact that white people live together and Black people live together, people may think that that's just the way things are, but, Mm -hmm. you know, it's actually intentional federal government policies Mm -hmm. that created this segregated landscape. And this color line is fiercely maintained by things like Um, zoning, Mm -hmm. um, school boards, um, you know, all of these, these are are tools of of maintaining distance between um, races and maintaining really resources in the hands of uh, those who are uh, white, wealthy, Mm able-bodied, cis, heterosexual, you know, um, Mm -hmm. all the, all of that. So, My book is memoir, but also um, there's a lot of history in it. And then I really hope that it ends in a way of of posing to the industry some opportunities uh, to finally reach that promise of making running accessible for everyone. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. I'm really looking forward to reading your book and I'm hoping I I, want to put in a request now that I hope you can join us again after the book comes out to
3: talk more about it. Thank you. Yes, yes, I will be. I, I it's hard to believe that I've gotten this far and but there's still like eight months to go before this book actually comes out. So (laughs) I will be back. Good.
0: Good.
1: I think uh, weaving together the personal narrative and the history uh, is such a smart way to reach readers and um, readers who are runners, because as you have said explicitly and, and alluded to as well, there's so much that, that, you know, white people, especially you know, just not even noticing that that running is a white space, and I'm mm-hmm. putting the mind of uh, Mitchell S. Jackson's piece about Armand Arbery, where he asks, you know, mm-hmm. what? ask ourselves what is the runner's world and who is who is in the runner's world and and ask why, ask why.
3: Exactly.
1: Um I'm curious, as you research the history of running for this book, was there anything that that surprised you?
3: um i think what what was most surprising and it's something that i actually um i hosted a series of events in harlem for the new york city marathon the 50th running of the new york city marathon and it's something that i found out as i was leading up to those events and that is that the idea for the uh five borough marathon the new york city marathon was actually ted Corbett's a black man right mm-hmm. and yep. i think that um you know, for for many years uh, and actually still many people credit another person, um, George Spitz, um, as having come up with the idea. And you know that, that in itself might be just one small piece. I would argue it's not small at all, right? Because this hugely celebrated event, was well, the fact that it came, the idea for it came from the mind of Ted with of course the help of George and then several other people who, who brought it to life. But that does change the narrative on who running is for. But this is what what the point here is that um, history is important and it's always important to think about who's telling the story and who benefits from that telling of the story. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, again, if we're looking outside of the world of running and I'm right now in Florida at my mother's house, a state where, um, you know, books are banned and where, um, you know, there's a a law that uh, actually I don't know if it's actually a law on the books yet, but Um, The intent is to stop white people from feeling discomfort at historical Mm -hmm. facts, right? (laughs) So the erasure of history makes it such that we can't have justice today. And it disconnects us, white, Black, all of us from from the truth, right? Mm -hmm. And so when I think about that, that's just one shocking thing that I found out that really could have contributed to an entirely different understanding of who running was for, right? Mm -hmm. New York Road Owners itself, and and I go into the story, but New York Road Owners itself is a direct offshoot of the New York Pioneer Club, which was founded by three black men in Harlem in 1936. It was one of the first integrated um, clubs in the country. And that organization, New York Pioneer Club, laid the foundation for New York Roadrunners. If there were no wow. New York Pioneer Club, there would be no New York Roadrunners, right? So when you think about telling the, the, the running boom with a long distance running story, I mean, starting it in 1968, was it? Or in 72 with Bowerman is really a convenient place to start if you're centering whiteness, right? But mm-hmm. if you want to tell the full story, you would start uh, with the, the origins of, from New York Pioneer Club and then even within the running boom story that is told, you would you would highlight voices or highlight stories of people like Marilyn Bevins, right? Um, names that that many runners don't know, whereas a name like Frank Shorter might just roll off of your tongue. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, I'm not sure that I think you might have to have a, a sequel or two, in you because I think it sounds like there's <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's there's a lot to get in there. Wow, so much to unpack. There is,
3: and I know. I never found I never thought I, I mean, I, I majored in history in college, mostly, excuse me, mostly because I asked my friend, like, what are you majoring in? And she said history. And I was like, OK, me, too. I want to be in classes with you. <laughs> but it turns out it turns out that I have like a real deep love and appreciation for it. And I got so nerdy in running <laughs> history. I never imagined that would be me. But I can recall like really weird. Uh, tidbits.
0: <laughs> Jeopardy, here you come. Uh... Exactly.
3: Exactly. If
1: only there were a running Jeopardy. Yeah,
0: exactly. One I know. One. somebody's yeah. listening, start it and sign me up. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. Well well shifting gears. You're the mom of a preschool age son. You're writing a yes. book, doing impactful activism work, training many other things. So are you able to find time in your day or your week for self-care? And if so, what does it look like?
3: <sighs> I mean, that's that's been really hard the past um, two and a half years. I think I'm just actually like a few months ago getting to the point of making it a priority. And I, I mean, in, in ways that are that maybe are simple, but simple or small, but are also significant. So for example, my eating has been just all over the place and mm-hmm. to all the moms and caregivers, right. You just like eat whatever is there, because mm-hmm. at least for me, I was, I'm more concerned with his nutrition and mm-hmm. if he's getting everything that he needs. So, and then at 10 o'clock at night, all of a sudden I'm like eating all this stuff and I don't even know why. So I, <laughs> I just made an appointment with a nutritionist, um, to talk about, you know, to make a plan for myself. And I, I also now realize that yes, I'm taking good care of him. But ultimately, he notices what I'm eating or not eating. And he's learning a lot of behaviors through my lack of attention to myself. So mm-hmm. that that is one example of of things that I'm doing. Um, but it's hard because I also really thrive. Um, not just being busy, right? Because it's being busy to me, sort of has this connotation that it's like not fulfilling or Mm -hmm. not important, but I I really do love doing all the things that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm just trying to get a handle on making sure that my son's sleep is together so that I can get the sleep that I need to eat well, you know, Mm -hmm. be rested enough to run. Um, But it's a work in progress. Like I, for anyone listening, I do not have it figured out. So (laughs) send help. (laughs)
1: Yeah. You know what? You've got that. Every person listening, every mom listening to this is so sympathetic to what you all of what you just said.
3: (laughs) Yeah. 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 Good days and (laughs) bad.
1: And and eating the the peanut butter and jelly crusts off the plate. Calling that dinner. (laughs)
3: Exactly. And I'm like, who am I? But it's my son has like the perfectly nutritious meal. (laughs) Yeah, or sometimes not. Right. Sometimes he, too, is just eating whatever, because that's how two year olds are. But we do our best.
1: So with that incredible list of all you're doing, and we have seen in your social media posts that you are actually planning to race in 2022. Is that true? And what are what races are on your calendar?
3: Yeah, so March, I'm, again, all of this, like, please, I hope that... Um, we're still, you know, nothing changes in COVID for the worse. It, you know, it's not that it's gone, but nothing gets worse and events are canceled. But the first event is I'll be doing the She is Beautiful race in Santa Cruz in March. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll also be uh, on a panel moderated by Alicia Montano. That's oh. March 18th, I think. So will oh, be running great. a 10K. Um, then I'm also running the Eugene Half Marathon at the end of April. It's, I think it's either April 30th or May 1st or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later in the year, much later in September, I'm supposed to run the golden ultra. I say supposed to, because I was signed up to do it last year. It was canceled for COVID reasons. Uh And it's, it's like a a three day stage race. So I don't know that for me, feels like a big stretch Uh Uh (laughs) based on everything I have going on. But those, those first two are absolutely happening and I'm excited for them.
0: Okay. And where is that?
3: The, golden um, the stage race is in uh, Golden, um, BC, British Columbia. Oh. So that's oh. part of the reason why it was closed because the border was shut down. Oh, yeah. But where I live, um, outside of Seattle, is is very close to where the race would be
0: yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. just mm-hmm. head north a little bit yeah wow and exactly, before your yeah. before your book comes out so i don't think any october races should be on your calendar no 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 yeah.
3: no yeah. and you know i've been yeah. offered a spot for the new york city marathon and like my brain cannot compute i'm like oh <laughs> yeah. no, when my book comes out that's gonna be my life for a little bit so exactly yeah. exactly maybe
0: do a do a talk at the expo or something but uh Exa-
3: um, i'm open yeah. to that Yes. yes,
0: yes. <laughs> <laughs> in case those people are listening as well. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> well, it has been a delight to talk with you, Allison. Thanks so much for making time for us.
3: Yeah, thank you. And you know, this, this podcast is just particularly appropriate as I juggle all the things, all the noises, all the chaos, right? Like that is, that is, that is real. I, when Whenever a podcast host says find a quiet spot, I'm like, if I could find it, I would live there. <laughs> so, thank you for, uh, for making <laughs> space and meeting me where I'm at. Good, good.
0: All right. And, and again, I really hope to have you back on to talk about your book. So, um, I look forward to talking with you yeah, again.
3: Absolutely, Sarah. That's, yeah. Let's we'll make that happen. Great,
0: great. All right, take care. Bye bye. Thank you. Ah, that was great. And um, I'll I'll say that um. Dimity and I have been talking about having a um, book club for another Mother Runner, Tish. And, oh, um, perfect. Yeah, and we've just been trying to figure out the the book that could um, be the, you know, kind of launching pad for it. And as Allison was talking, I'm like, okay, I think we might have found the book. I that think is think we found it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I can't
1: wait to read it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Me as well. Yeah. All right. So, well, you and I were talking about Valentine's Day. Um, uh, folks are going to, I hope, love um, what we did on Valentine's Day. As, um, as people listen to this, it'll be after Valentine's Day. We launched um, our latest round of our virtual event series, Love the Run You're With. Um, spring 2022, it opens. It is... Um, 10 week training program that includes then three virtual events, um, of, and you can be on three different tracks. You know, if you are, uh, we meet people where they are, um, with, um, distances that are kind of shorter going up to longer ones so people can find what works for them uh, there's a really fun activity tracker I know those have been very popular with our programs and then we're particularly excited about the swag bag um, the contents is valued at more than 60 bucks um, including incredibly tote limited sorry incredibly cute limited edition tote bag, custom cruise socks a pair of right socks running shoes noon shoes, a medal and more. Uh, The training kicks off on February 28 and culminates on, appropriately enough, Mother's Day. So that registration is open until February 28, and you can find it at anothermotherrunner.com under the training tab. Our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles.